Well, today we come to the words of Jesus Christ to introduce our topic for this morning. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment? Singular, what is the great commandment? In verses 37 through 40, Jesus responds to this question. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, honestly, Jesus could have left it right there. Because he answered the question in full. What's the great commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. And this is the first and great commandment. But he went on to add a second part to this without being asked, without being prodded. He then goes into verses 39 and 40 and he said, The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus lays it out. Love God and love others. And essentially what he's saying is they don't get any bigger than these two. This is it. These are the great commandments. When we hear something like that, we understand that there's a great weight put behind his words. The great commandments. In my way of thinking, when I hear that God has laid it out so clearly for me, here are the great commandments. The weight that's associated makes me think, hey, am I doing that right? Yeah, am I really doing this correctly? Am I, am I living it out the way God intends me to? Am I loving others? Am I loving God the way He expects me to do so when He gives such a weighty commandment? And as I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, so we've talked about these commandments a lot. Certainly, these are the great commandments. We're going to deal with them over time, many times over. But, but when it gets down to it, how many times have we ever stopped to say, well, here's what it really looks like? I mean, here's the way it's actually lived out in a person's life. Here's the way you go about it day by day. Here's what happens if you really love God and you love others. And I could not remember a time that I had taught it in that way. And so today, I want us to approach it from that perspective. Okay, what does it look like when it's lived out in my life? What does it look like when it's lived out in your life? Because ultimately, this is what declare, God declares for us. This is what God commands to us, that we love God and we love others. Now, in order to get started, I want to begin with the second first. So, point number one, your first fill-in on your sheet, is that of loving others. Loving others. He tells us in verse 39, second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now isn't that something that is counterculture? On Sunday evenings, we're going through David Platt's Bible study here in the auditorium, and I wish you'd come and join us. It's called counterculture. If ever there was something that is counterculture, it's different from what culture dictates, this is the principle. God has laid it out for us. That we love others as much as we love ourselves because our culture teaches us, it teaches us that we're to look out for number one, that we're to elevate ourselves, that we're to... Love ourselves to the extent that we will do anything necessary to promote ourselves in this community, in this society, in this world. And yet God lays out something so different for us. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to love others 
in the same manner in which you love yourself. Wow. Okay, so a new principle is introduced here. Something that is bewildering to many of us. How do we love people the way we love ourselves? Because it is just naturally instinctive for us to love ourselves. But it's not necessarily so for us to love others. And so, what does it look like when we actually engage in God's commandment of loving others as we love ourselves? There are four things I want to throw out for your consideration. Number one, it shows us that included in this loving others as we love ourselves must be an investment in others. Letter A, an investment in others. Now think about what an investment is. An investment is where I put down something of value in the hopes that later on I'm going to get something back of greater value. So then if I'm investing in the stock market, if I'm investing in gold and silver or whatever else you may place your money in, if I'm investing in those things, my hope is that when I put my money into it, that later on as it grows and develops, when it's time to draw it back out, it's going to be of much greater value than what I originally put in, and therefore it's going to sustain me through my retirement years. Okay, So that's the way an investment works. Time is the same thing. It may be that in my job, I'm investing time. I'm putting in extra hours. And I'm putting in diligent work so that, so that I can get bigger sales. Or so that I can be seen by those who are up the corporate ladder. And I will be promoted and moved up. I'm investing the time. I'm investing the effort. I'm investing my abilities so that later on, I can reap something that is greater than what I've put into it. Did you know it's the same thing when we come to this principle of loving others as we love ourselves? That because I love myself, I'm going to do what's right for me. I'm going to do what's good for me. The same is true for others. God says, I want you to love them in the same way that you love yourself. So I want you to invest in other people. Now, Honestly, every time the offering plate passes by and we drop in our tithes and offerings, we're investing in other people. We're investing in our children. We're investing in everything that goes on in our children's ministries. We're investing in our teenagers, everything that goes on in our youth ministries, in our young adults. We're investing in them. But beyond that, we're also investing in our community because through what we give, God uses it to reach out into our community. We reach deeper and deeper into the community trying to teach people that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. And so we're investing through our giving so that ultimately something much greater may come of it. And that is people will be born into the family of God. People will come to know this incredible peace that passes human understanding that many of us have experienced. And as a result, God will be glorified. Okay, so all of this is taking place through a simple investment. We're reaching out to people and God is glorified. But the same thing happens when we invest our time. 
When we invest our energy, when we invest our efforts, when we invest our abilities, when we invest those in serving others, in serving people here, serving our community, in reaching out beyond our community to our missionaries and helping them serve in a more effective way wherever God has placed them around the world, God is using our efforts, He's using our investments to bring about the strengthening of believers, the salvation of others, but ultimately, once again, culminating in His glory being made known throughout our world. And so an investment in others is a revealing that we love people in an appropriate way. So then let's just stop for a second. Because what I would like for us to do after each of these thoughts is just stop to consider how are we making an investment. Okay? Is it an investment that would reveal that I love people the way I'm supposed to? Or is it an investment that's actually pretty shaky? So how does the investment look in your life? Letter B. Not only are we to make an investment, and it includes an investment in others, but also letter B, it shows a concern for others. How is this love for others lived out? It's lived out in a concern for others, a concern, a genuine concern. Now, what I want to do is just get down real simple on this one. Now, I think that we could go a lot of different ways in this thought, but I want to just bring it down to very simple places because I think that this is where it roots itself, and that is in making friends, building relationships. How do we do that? You know, there's some very simple ways we can accomplish that. And one way would just simply be to check on our neighbors, checking in on them. I can remember one of our bigger snowstorms, we don't get a lot of that here, but one of our bigger snowstorms back a few years ago caused power to go out in different places because trees were falling on power lines. And, and I can remember hearing stories on the news, but also from people in the community, in our church family as well, where they were reaching out to their neighbors. And they were looking in on them. Are you warm enough? Do you have enough food? Especially elderly neighbors and those who were shut-ins, those who had health issues. They were looking out after each other. Did you know that's a very godly thing to do? Just simply checking on one another. But there's an additional principle that's equally simple that I think also reveals a love for others, and that is engaging people in conversation. We live in such a crazy, hectic world. We are so busy. We just don't have time to stop and talk anymore. And yet I think there's something so revealing about someone that is so concerned about someone else that they would just stop what they're doing, take time out of their day to pause and say, hey, what's going on with you? Now understand what a conversation is. A conversation is at least two parties engaging each other. A conversation is not me coming up Wanting so badly for you to ask me how things are going so I can tell you everything about my life. That's not a conversation. That's one-sided. There are times when that's very necessary. I know that. But when we talk about showing a concern for others, it is so to the point that we want to know what's going on. So then we ask open-ended questions and we listen. We listen. That is a very 
failed art form these days. People who actually listen. And yet it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Someone can walk by me and say, hey, how you doing? And before I get the words out, they're already on the other side of the church. I know that they probably don't really care how I'm doing. Now, they may care more than anybody else in the world, but it doesn't show it, does it? It's not reflected in their attitude. It's not reflected in their actions. And so what we want to do is show such a concern for people that we ask open-ended questions and we stop to listen for the answers. I think in that shows a love for others and people will take note of it. And people will begin to say there's something different there. So let's just pause again. How would you say... In this particular area of showing concern for others, your life is being lived out. Would you say that you're just too busy for that stuff? Or would you say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm making an attempt. Let me take us to number C. Number C is not only should there be a concern, but there should be a consideration for others as well. A consideration for others. The Apostle Paul talks about two things, and I'm going to try to move through this a little bit quickly. But he talks about two things. He says that we should look out after the needs of others even as we do ourselves. And not only our own needs, but also the needs of others. That we should consider the situations in which other people find themselves. Not that we do so at the detriment of our own family. We are to have the responsibility, the God-given responsibility, to look after our, out after our families first. But once we've met the needs of our families, then we take the opportunity to look out for the needs of other people. We look out for what's going on in their lives. How can we help? How can we be part? How can we invest in their lives so that they see something in us that they don't see in other people? Now let me throw this out here. Because I've gone back and forth in a debate in my own mind and with others about how this is all supposed to work. But one of the things I think is very important to understand in this particular concept is that God says if someone won't work, they shouldn't eat. In other words, God says that we're not to, to, to so enable people to be bums. Now, I know there are situations that are unpreventable. And I'm not going there and saying that we don't help anybody. But I am saying when you see a pattern in someone's life, that then you begin to help them in a different way. You begin to offer them opportunities to work, to earn. You begin to offer them opportunities to be involved in different things so that they can bring in their own money. Because ultimately, most people want that. There's such a good feeling about earning what we get in life. As Paul says... Consider the needs of others even as you consider your own. But he also says, consider others more valuable than you do yourself. Consider others more important than you do yourself. Now this is a biggie, isn't it? How do we belittle ourselves to the place to where we think others are more important than ourselves? It's a little simple word called humbling ourselves. Humble. Being humble. Did you know that I believe that when we humble ourselves in such a way, we are exactly where God wants us to be? Because God has said, 
that if you humble yourself before me and before men, I will lift you up. I resist the proud, but I exalt the humble. God wants so much for us to be humble in character, in actions, in words. God wants so much for us to humble ourselves before others so that we see them as more important, so that we see them as more valuable even than we see ourselves. Now when you talk about this around people who maybe aren't so involved in church, they look at that and say, that is crazy. It's crazy. Man, nobody else is going to take care of you. You better take care of yourself. And from a human perspective, that's true, isn't it? From a human perspective, nobody else is going to take care of us. we got to take care of ourselves. And yet what God is showing us is something that's so revolutionary. It's so entirely different. He's showing us that we do what He commands us to, and He then takes care of us. That we do things that look crazy, that look absurd. We invest in others. We consider others to be more valuable than ourselves. And when we do those things, God says, watch and see that I take care of you. I will meet your needs. There's one final thought I want to throw into this particular mix. Letter D on your handout is that this also involves sacrificing for others. Sacrifice for others. This comes from what Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verses 11 and 12. You might want to write this reference in. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now let me stop for a second. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loved us to such a degree that he gave up his rights as God to come to this earth to be as we are, to be beaten, to be abused, and to be nailed to a cross where he would shed his blood to pay the price of our sin. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus sacrificed himself so that we might be forgiven, so that we might inherit eternal life. It's an incredible thing. And Jesus said, this is the way I want you to love others, in a sacrificial way. And then he went on to say, verse 12, or excuse me, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Lay down one's life for his friends. There's an incredible movie, and if you haven't seen it, if you're faint of heart, I may not recommend it, but if you are, it's a great movie. It's called The Hunger Games. And in The Hunger Games, there's one particular clip that shows us and illustrates this very well. Where an older sister sees that her younger sister is placed in a situation where if she goes into this situation, she will surely die. And the older sister steps in to take her place. Watch this clip, if you would. Now, the time has come for us to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games. As usual, ladies first. 
Everdeen. Where are you? Come on up. Well, come on up. Have a volunteer. Uh, Mr. Mayor. I need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. No. Go find mom. No. Grim, go find mom. I know. No. So sorry. No. Go find mom. No. Grim, leave. Go find mom. No. 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 Dramatic no. no. turn of events here in District 12. Yes, well. District 12's very first volunteer. Bring her up. that sacrifice you know I was I was thinking about this matter of sacrifice and how it can involve several different things it can involve life itself to where we literally sacrifice our lives I watched a video clip not too long ago about uh, a car that had caught on fire on the interstate and people were stopped and a lot of people were looking as someone was trapped inside but finally, a few people ran to the car and worked to get the door open to free the person, knowing that at any minute the car could explode, that they themselves could be consumed in the fire, and yet they were willing to sacrifice themselves to free that person. And that's sacrifice. What Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for us, sacrificing his life, nothing is greater than that sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. That's sacrifice. But beyond that, we also see that it's possible to sacrifice our way of life. Uh, we are blessed to have several of our missionaries with us this morning and in the process of having our missionaries here, we understand that they have sacrificed their lives. They put regular life on hold in order to go and do things that most of us would not consider. It's shameful that we would say that, but it's true. Shameful on our part, that is. Last week, Russ and Lynn Turner were here and Russ was telling us that he would be in the jungles in Colombia, South America. Today, that's where he finds himself. And he's in a very dangerous and volatile place where the guerrilla rebels are, are looking for opportunities to destroy. And Russ has put himself in that situation, going into that place, because his life is not as important to him as those to whom he will take the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's sacrifice. And did you know that God has called us to do the same? And in order to show the love we have for others, that sometimes it requires that we sacrifice life as we know it. Sometimes it calls us to go and do things that we don't want to do. Calling, go and do things that are out of that which is comfortable for us. 
God calls us to sacrifice life as we know it to go and be a witness where people may mock us, where people may make fun of us, where people may distance themselves from us. God calls us to show them love in such a way that we are willing to step out of what is comfortable to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God is calling us to love others. One final note on this point is that notice that in all of these, A, B, C, and D, they all involve action. It's easy enough for us to say we love people. Man, everybody can say that. But it's a whole different world when we look at the actions that surround it. So then my question for us here is, do our actions reveal that we actually love others? So he calls us to be people who are loving others. Number two, he also, also calls us to be people who love God, loving God. Included in this, loving others and loving God, we have to now bring into the concept that these two are interconnected. And so as we make our way through this process of looking at this point, these three thoughts, you're going to begin to say you are working your way back into number one again. We've already gone through that. Let's move on. But you have to work through this process. We have to go through these three steps in order to understand what it looks like to love God. So please bear with me for just a second. It is in verses 37 and 38. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So then how does this look to love God? Well, we have to begin letter A with the understanding that we are called to love others. Letter A, we are called to love others. Now we've seen that, and we're not going to go back through it, but in order to get this, how we show our love for God, we once again have to reiterate that we have been called to love others. But number B, or letter B on your study guide says this, when we love others properly, we will automatically do everything else God requires. He tells us in verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, when you love people in a proper way, then everything else is going to take care of itself. You see, there was a real problem in this day. People lived under the law. And there were hundreds of laws that they had to mind and be careful that they did it exactly as God dictated. They had, to, they had to make sure that they were doing everything that God dictated, but then also everything the high priest and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had added to the list. Because they were adding their own rules and their own regulations and their own traditions. And people were stuck trying to do all these things and they were trying to remember. And it was such a weight, Jesus said. And interestingly, Jesus came on the scene with a whole different message. It was different in that, yes, all the laws were the laws. They were the laws of God. But Jesus was saying, I want you just to focus on two things. Love God and love others. And if you'll do these two properly, 
If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit, that's your entire being. And if you will love others as you love yourself, guess what? Everything else is going to take care of itself. Because ultimately, if you really love people the way you're supposed to, you're not going to mock them or gossip about them. You're not going to talk badly about them in front of their face or behind their back. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to lie to them. You're not going to commit adultery on them or with them. Why? Because you love them in a proper way. What we're talking about in this type of love is an elevated type of love. It's not a human love. It's not something that, that I just naturally possess. We can possess love for one another, but not to the degree that God is calling us to. Not to this sacrificial investment type of way. That's an elevated type of love. So God then calls us to be people who through His power and through the Spirit of God working in us to produce fruit, we love each other in such a proper way that everything God commands is taken care of. Everything. Everything. And guess what? Letter C. And don't put your notes up. I think you'll want to keep them out. Letter C, when we do this, this shows our love for God. This shows our love for God. It goes back to something Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, here's the action again getting involved. If you love me, you're going to do what I tell you to do. If you love me, the way you show that is through your obedience. If you love me, you will be obedient to do what I've commanded you to do. Okay, so then when God commands us, here's the great commandments. Love God, love others. When you do this, when you fulfill your obligation to God and be obedient to His commands, what you're doing is in that process showing that it's actually true in your life that you love God. First John chapter 4 and verse 20. John writes this. If you don't love people that you can see, how can you love God whom you have not seen? If you don't love those that you have seen, how can you love God who you've not seen? And the reason I bring this out is because we've got to see how these two are so interconnected. That God calls us to a place to where He says, if you don't do one, you can't do the other. People say, well, I love God, but then they are so cruel and so hateful and so spiteful around others. And God's saying, I want you to know that if you don't love others the way you're supposed to, you don't really love me the way you're supposed to either. And because of the fact that it is the working of God in our lives, we can say, I don't really believe in God, but man, I love people the way you're talking. The truth is, we really can't achieve that elevated level of love. It's not possible. Because it's not until we submit to God, we give our lives to God, He forgives us of our sin, the Holy Spirit indwells us, that then we can begin to live out that which only God can produce, and that is love. 
And so God is calling us today to obedience to the great commandments. Love God. Love others. And I guess when it comes down to it, we have to understand that this is action-oriented. me to judge right now. I can, I can certainly look at actions and see, and you can look at my actions and see if it's real. But what I'm looking for right now is for us just to stop and examine our own actions. According to your actions, according to my actions, would we be able to very clearly articulate a love for God and a love for others? What about it?